Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Everybody, come on, let's give God a praise. Welcome again. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to welcome all of our locations and those online. Come on, Port Richmond, Northwest, Center City, right here in Northeast, Espanol, everybody. Hope I didn't leave anybody out. If I did, forgive me. And uh, hey, uh, you know, that video that you just saw, that was our kids last week bringing their offering, some of our students bringing their offering. Let me tell you, if that doesn't inspire you, then you gotta like go in and get some heart surgery, all right? Uh, because it's powerful to see our kids do what we hope they would do be generous, be godly. And so that was really powerful. Today at the end of service, uh, we won't give money, but we will make our commitments. Uh, and I want to just kind of breach that and talk about that for a moment. Today is our final day uh, of Here to Stay. We've been in a six-week series. Uh, and um, basically, this six-week series, is it, it, was, it's, it was an introduction to a two-year program that we're beginning in our church. You won't hear about Here to Stay o- over the next two years all the time, uh, as we've done in our messages. Uh, however, what we are attempting to accomplish as a church family is to purchase some strategic facilities uh, in and around our city. It's really important we do that so that we are actually here to stay. Uh, But it's much bigger than purchasing facilities. Now, what's very exciting is Port Richmond and Espanol in a couple weeks are moving into their facility uh, that has been purchased. And uh, it's, it's it's really an answered prayer dream come true. But the thing is, is over the last couple of years, it's been very challenging to do what we do. Renting, starting locations will definitely be a part of our future, but it's important that we establish some strategic facilities or honestly, we will at some point probably have a problem continuing existing as a church. That's how dire this is. And, uh, and so anyway, that's kind of what this is. But, but, but more than that, we believe this is a discipleship program. Why is it about discipleship? Why is it about spiritual growth? Because nothing grows your spiritual life like hearing from God and then responding to God. And, and, and for, 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 for many, our financial security really is at the top of the list because when we hear from God and when we give with our whole heart, it, re, it means he has our heart. And so it's one of those things where it's a reminder where Jesus said, hey, I want to be first. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so that's why we do this because it causes us to hear from God. And if you want to grow spiritually, responding to God, listening and making a great sacrifice, it definitely grows you because you have a deficit and then you see God with your own eyes fill that void and then some. That is the beauty of this faith thing. That's why this is so important. And the last part of why this is a discipleship program is because what this is gonna enable us to do is not just reach more people, not just serve you better, but it's really gonna ensure that we are able to reach and minister to the next generation like never before, which is truly my heartbeat. And I really hope it's yours too. So that's kind of like what Here to Stay is. I wanna walk through one more time how this happens and then I'll preach God's word. 
Okay, uh, you've probably gotten some things in the mail. If you're, uh, you've gotten some things in the mail, uh, you'll, you'll probably get a few more things. So don't be mad at me. Just see it like an early Christmas present, a letter from my pastor. All right. And, uh, and so you get a few more. Just, uh, I appreciate that. Thanks for hanging with us through this. So much to communicate. Uh, but, but, but ultimately, there's a gift chart. Now, you're going to see this gift chart, and you're going to go, man, we got to raise over $6 million. How are we going to do that? Well, this is, of course, combined with our regular giving. Uh, and so uh, what that means is we've got to raise an additional two and a half million dollars. And you'll find yourself somewhere in that chart, maybe in the middle, maybe somewhere beginning. I don't know where you're gonna find yourself, but when you take your current giving and add your additional giving uh, and your stored assets, we can accomplish this. Now, here is the practical ways this happens. Practical ways this happens is through steps. Everybody say steps. Okay, our, our steps, our giving ladder, if you saw me a few weeks ago, uh, I was hanging on a ladder and because I'm such an athlete, some would call me fat fit, uh, the ladder started to tip, but because of my incredible abilities, I saved it. But anyway, um, anyway, these, these ladders, is, it's here really where the, where, the, where the bulk of our fundraising is gonna happen. There are many people in our church who don't give anything. And when you step in faith to a level, not only is God going to transform your life, it's going to transform this church. When you are an intentional giver, maybe you give 20 or 100 bucks a month, but you begin to step up into, into uh, tithing, giving your first 10%, returning it back to God, biblical obedience. When you begin to do that, it, it's going to radically transform your life. And what it's going to do is as we elevate, it's going to allow us to sustain some of these large mortgages. You know what a mortgage is going to be like on, on certain facilities? It could be thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a month. But together, it's very possible. And so, and then others, those who regularly tithe, are going to become extravagant givers. This is over and above. All of us together, we can accomplish what seems impossible through God. That's how he does it. Now, uh, you're going to fill out a commitment card here at the end of services and online. You can do the same, but if you're at locations, end of service, and you're going to see this card. Now, John Doe is fake, if you didn't know, uh, but that's where our offices are. And John Doe, he's an intentional giver. He gives $100 a month. However, through here to stay, he has sensed God compelling him to give an additional $400 a month. That takes him to $500 a month. He's like, I'm going to be a tither now. And so because of that, that turns into $12,000 over two years. But John has $5,000 of stored assets. And he says, man, I'm so compelled. I'm going to give that. But John was at Advanced Commitment Night. He, he wrote $17,000 on his commitment card, but then he came today. And at the end of service, he's like, you know what? I've got five more thousand dollars that I'm gonna find. And he's gonna turn his commitment card into $22,000 over two years. That is a massive, massive impact. All of us, no matter where we are, okay? I wanna be clear about something, no matter where we are. When we contribute and are obedient to God because we're looking for 100% participation, it doesn't matter where you are on the amount. It matters where you are if you sacrifice. We are not looking for a safe number. We are looking for a sacrificial number. For John, that's sacrificial. You got to ask God what it is for you. Are you following me so far? Okay, let us get into God's word.
I wanna preach a message today titled, I commit to what I love. I commit to what I love. If you're sitting next to your spouse or somebody you just got engaged to, it's very clear you committed to something or someone you love, unless they made you a prisoner and made you marry them. I commit. Now, now commitment, friends, commitment is hard sometimes. Would you agree with that? Of course it is. Like, even if you love or want something, like, uh, you know, I, I, I want to go on vacation. And so if I, if I book a flight, I still get a little anxiety because I know after 24 hours, I'm locked in, right? Uh, this always cracks me up. I'll get a, like a wedding invite from somebody I knew in 1997. And I'm like, do I want to commit to this wedding? Because that blocks out my weekend. I got to get them a gift. God, I got to dress up again. Hopefully I can fit in my dress clothes in six months. You know, like commitment is, it's good, but it can make us a little anxious. Would you agree with that? Of course. Um, my, my wife, I love this about my wife. Love this. Made me buy her a house. I look at the payoff, 2050. Oh my goodness. Not only am I committed to her, I'm committed to providing a roof over her. Oh Lord. I'm just kidding. That's not what, I, not what my illustration is. Uh, my wife, I love this about her. She is, um, it, when she commits to something, she's a thousand percent, a thousand. If you know Lauren, thousand percent. So she has been trying to get me to commit to a Christmas tree, a new one since July wearing me down, wearing me down. You know how you start strong, but then just, if, if we don't get this new Christmas tree, we can't celebrate the Christ, you know? It's like, it's like crap like that, you know? It's like, so the other day, the other day, she's like, I seen something. I'm, I'm playing golf. I'm trying to relax. I'm trying to just, you know, hear from God on the course and and uh, I get this message. I've seen it on Facebook Marketplace. And I'm like, I, I see it come through and I've got a decision to make. Am I going to respond or, or not? You know, <laughs> like, and so anyway, you know, I, I come home and, and, and she's already arranged for the next day for this, this new massive Christmas tree to be set up in October. This is a sin. I want you to judge her. You can't do a Christmas tree in October. Oh my God. Anyway, this is extreme commitment. A commitment, extreme commitment to marriage till death to us part. All right. So, Christmas tree's funny, obviously, kind of, not really. And, but like, listen, she wanted this. She loved it. Loves Christmas, wanted the tree. She was committed to it. She's going to make it happen. And what I'm, what I'm saying to you is if you are committed to something, you're going to do what it takes to make it happen. When it comes to here to stay, when it comes to the block church, if you love your church, if we love our city, if we love our kids and those who don't know Christ yet, 
If we're really committed to this thing, we're gonna do what it takes to make it happen. Now, not in our own strengths, not in our own words, writing, or commitments, but because the Holy Spirit has said something to us and we are responded because we are committed to whom we love. That's what this is about. I'm just telling you right now, if we don't make some strategic moves as a church family, I, and I, I know God is in charge, but sometimes God says to us, hey, I want you to be obedient so that I can bless it. I'm, I am in a sense, and I want to speak in faith, but I am aware that, that not getting us into some physical provides some major challenges for our church long-term. All I'm saying is, friends, is if we're committed to this thing, we're going to do something radical. And I want to take you to a story in the Bible of some, some radical people. I want to go to 1 Chronicles 29, and I'm not going to read it yet. I'm going to give you some context. But David, the king, is, he's near the end of his reign. And he wants to build God a temple. He wants to build him a house. And... The thing is, is what they've been doing, the people of God for generations, they've been, they've had a mobile church, if you will. They would set up the ark and the tent of meeting and they would, they would worship God wherever they would move in a mobile way. They, they, in war, uh, the people as they were in exile, whatever they were doing, they, they are in, in a mobile way moving and having, setting up and tearing down. The priests, the ministers, I preached about this a while back, but they would set up, tear down. And, and at some point in layman's terms, honestly, they just kind of got tired of it. They're like, we got to build God a house that's worthy of him. And so they go all in, but um, it, it's, it's powerful. It makes me think, honestly, of a lot of our production teams and, and setup teams and broadcast teams and kids and worship teams at every single location, right? It's like, poor Richmond, man, they've been doing this for eight years, Right? I mean, this broadcast team right here in Northeast, some of you are watching online today because they're in here grinding early. And like at some point, man, like there is an expiration date on energy of people. We have the super Holy Spirit, but we battle <laughs> and we live in human bodies. And so like, it's why it's important to serve, but it's why it's important we got to give to build. I digress. They finally go, we got to build God a house. This was deep in David's heart, but God's like, David can't do it, man. Too much blood on your hands. You've, you've fought too many wars and there's just some stuff. So what you're going to do, you can initiate it, but your son is going to build it. That's where we pick up. Bible says, then King David turned to the assembly and said, my son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous. For, listen to this, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. I want to be clear about something. We friends are not building a church building or buying buildings or building a local church for men. We are building it for God. Uh, did you hear me? Six amens in the Northeast. I know a lot of amens in other places. Northeast, hear me. We are not building this for a brand, for a logo, for a man. We are building this for God. We are. It's true. 
Does it impact man? Does it impact children? Of course. But when we gather, friends, here's what happens. We gather to worship God. We gather to grow in God. And we gather to win others to God. Now, if you're a guest today, if you're a seeker who is unaware of, of God's love yet or seeking Christianity, I want to be clear about two things. First of all, uh, this is a great day to visit the Block Church because you're going to see our church at our best because we're, we are going to be making commitments, giving our lives, laying our lives, our security on the altar. It's the essence of Christianity, all in. Um, but we don't want you to feel, if you're guests especially, very new to our church, we don't want you to feel any sort of pressure to commit. We do, however, want you to observe that this is the essence of Christianity. That like this thing, it's for him, all of it. My worship is for him. My life is for him. My family is for him. And somebody, if you're a guest today, you don't know God, somebody got up real early to set up a chair, uh, to pray, to give to fa for him so that you would meet him. All of this, guys, is for him. When we build and buy buildings, it's for him. David says it, our lives reiterate it. And then David goes, and I love this. this. This really messes with me. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there is enough. Somebody say enough. That's my prayer. That's the miracle that there would be enough. And he goes on to do gold and silver and bronze and wood and all the jewels and stone and marble. And then he says, and now because of my devotion to the temple of God, my God, I'm giving all, all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I've already collected for his holy temple. I'm donating, donating more than 112 tons of gold and from Ophir and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the building and for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Oh, this is so fascinating to me. I love this and it ministers to me because here's David who knows, who knows he will not see this completed. He will not be the one to build it. Yet, he's giving all. It messes with me, man. I'm going to be, one day, I'm going to be 65, 75. I'm still going to look great. Amen. And I'm going to, you know, maybe my son is the pastor or, or maybe I'm still living in, in Philly, or I don't know where, where God will have me, but at some point I'll not be the lead pastor. God bless you. And like, I'm going to be sitting in, in a chair somewhere and we're going to be at a building project and it's going to mess with me because I'm going to give to something that I may not even see completed. And like for some of us, this is us, man. We may be here in Philly for a moment, be gone the next. We might die before we see the totality of God's goodness and glory. But here's David going, I love God's house so much. You can have it all. This ain't for me. 
And this is the richest, most famous person probably in all the world. And he's going, hey, all of this, I can't take this to the grave. I've seen life. I've won battles. I've had experiences. I've done everything you can do. And nothing is more beautiful and more valuable to me than the presence of God and his house. I want that kind of zeal. I think I have it. I want you to have that kind of zeal for God's house. It moves me so much because it reminds me of all the times David experienced the presence of God because of his commitment to the Lord's house. It it reminds me of how David would play his instrument and he would see demons flee in the presence of God. It would remind me of how David, because of the presence of God and his time alone with the Lord, he would see giants fall. It would remind me of even in his darkest sin where he failed, he would still have the house of God, the presence of God, the people of God, and he'd lay before God and God would forgive him. That's why he had this kind of zeal. It reminds me of my life meeting God at an altar, at a youth camp, or at a service, or a Sunday night service, or a worship night, or a prayer meeting. I love God's house. It reminds me of going on missions trips across the world, which we will do again one day. It reminds me of seeing my friends come to Christ and watching people every week lift their hand for salvation. It never gets old watching my family change and transform. It reminds me of the moments I gave sacrificially, even as a kid, to see God's kingdom advance. And it reminds me all the times that God never let me down. I love God's house because it's my life. And as hard as it is for me to give our savings to pass up on a dream that Lauren and I have, as hard as it is, it's also easy. Why? Because I commit to what I love and I love God's house and I love God's presence and I love what God's house does for people. And I want my kids, I want my son and my daughter and I want your kids to experience the kinds of things that I've experienced in God's house. You remember the moments that human and revival and the moments we're standing doing egg hunts and and I don't know, Halloween, all the crazy things we do I can't even think about. Oh, my kids, I want our kids, I want our city to always know these things because there's nothing like God's presence and God's house. And I want to read this longer passage. You got to stay with me, especially if you've got some ADD going on like I do. (laughs) This is just, this is, man, this is gold. No pun, but like this is, this is it right here. He says, now then, follow my example. Who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, the king's administrative officers all gave willingly. 
For the construction of the temple of God, they gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, 3,750 tons of iron. They also contributed numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasury. I love this because here's the thing. They didn't just have enough, they had overflow. They didn't want to build God some piece of junk. They, they wanted to give God, build God something worthy of who he was. And then they had left over to keep it going. The people, the Bible says, rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with joy. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. Oh Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. It gets better. Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and earth is yours, O oh Lord. This is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. In other words, God can restore anything that you release to him. You rule over everything, power and might are in your hand and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, ready? We thank you and praise your glorious name, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you gave us first. We're here for only a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land, our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Oh Lord, our God, even the material we've gathered, it comes from you. And he goes on and he says, he said, you know, I've done all this with good motives and I've watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Oh Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, make your people always want to obey you, see to it that their love for you never changes. I love that. What, what, what David is, is doing, what he's saying as he initiates this, is he's going, guys, I want our love for God to always be first. And how we prove that is, is simply what Jesus goes on to restate in the New Testament. Like what you love, you commit to. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will come behind it. It's not a mistake that he closes by saying literally, I want your hearts to always be mine because here's the thing, as the people committed and gave, that was proof that their hearts were his. Do you remember, you remember when you took your kid to their first birthday party and, and you went out and you picked the gift and then when it was time to, for them to give the gift to their friend, it, it was just absolutely just a seismic meltdown. Because when they were picking out the gift, they thought that was for them and they didn't understand. And when they had to give the gift, it was just an absolute disaster. Well, a few months ago, it was my son's uh, best pal's whose birthday. And we went to the store and I said, Maverick, I said, this is your best pal. You got to pick a be your best gift, something that you want. And I said, I want to hear it at this party. You cry one time, we're leaving. And because um, I'm trying to help him understand that the Lord loves a, a cheerful giver.
Not a giver who's doing it begrudgingly or, or with anger or, or any of those things. Uh, God, God, it doesn't mean that when you give or when you commit, it won't hurt. There won't be a little, few tears coming down your but but you're doing it with joy. And so Maverick picks out this best gift and he takes it to the party. And when it was time for him to open the gift, Maverick was so excited. He celebrated. He was explaining every detail and I was so proud of him. And then when we got in the car, I was like, man, I'm so proud of you. Like, that's the way that we give. And didn't say anything after that, but that night immediately, man, I went and I put that gift in the cart and then another gift that was connected to it. And I said, come Christmas time, I'm gonna bless my son. And Christmas came and, and, and Maverick opened up the gift and he's like, oh my goodness, you know, this is, this is the one that I gave my friend. I said, bro, do you think that dad didn't remember how you acted that night? You think that I forgot that you gave cheerfully? I said, wait a second, wait a second, there's more. I said, I, in addition to that, because of your attitude, man, I went and I got something else that was connected and he was just blown away, the joy. And I just, it was a reminder to me that like God doesn't always respond in momentarily or when we want to. God's looking for the attitude. He's looking for the posture, but he's a good father. David told us, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Do you think that God doesn't have your back? You think that God's not going to come through for you? Do you think that our dad, our father is not going to bless us? And the thing is, here's the key. Maverick didn't give that gift so that I would get him that gift. And a lot of us got giving mixed up. We think it's give to get. It's give to give. But we serve such a good God who owns all the cattle on a thousand hills who said, watch it. Watch me. You can't outgive me. You can't out-sacrifice me. You can't out-commit me. I know what you need. I know what you want. When you delight yourself in me, I give you the desires of your heart. That's the kingdom, guys. This is the fun stuff. And then David, he responds. And by the way, this is why I want to see 100% participation because I want you to see God with your own eyes. I'll just come up in here and I've seen it with my own eyes. I can't remember the next line. <laughs> Something about some promise. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Usually during worship, I'm like trying to worship, but also remember what I'm about to say. So I catch a few words here and there. But like, don't you want to see the good stuff? Like, don't you want to see like, oh, wow. Like, they're not just preaching this stuff like, like it's fake or because they need, like this really happened to me. The only way it happens is if you participate. We did a series a long time ago called Faith Works. It's like a faith that works is a faith that works. It's like, you gotta work your faith or if you wanna see the word work, you gotta work the word. I gotta close, but I, I love the last part, right? So, so, so David goes, give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all my commands, laws and decrees and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I've made these preparations. And some of you, by the way, your whole purpose is to make preparations. Know who you are. 
Then David said to the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God and the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors. And they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the King. This is my prayer for our kids, guys. This is my prayer for our city. <laughs> that our city and our kids would keep God's command, laws, decrees, and do everything necessary to keep building God's house. But the thing is, is they're gonna do what they see. I know that you want your kids. I know that you want the youth of this city. I, I know that you want the people that are under you. I know you want them to give bigger than you one day. I know that you want them to serve greater than you one day. I know you want them to have better marriages than you one day. I know you want them to have uh, even more healthy kids than you one day. Like I know you want them to live in a better city than you one day. But the thing is, is it starts with the seeds that we sow now. It does. Uh, the whole purpose of parenting and mentoring and living is so somebody else stands on our shoulders. And so much of our culture right now is like, kids kind of just understand going somebody help me get out we got to stop with all this nonsense you know how this happens guys is we are not friends listen to me we are not spectators in the kingdom of god one of the diseases of our western culture is that we think that church is a phillies game we think it's an eagles game those are the places you spectate that's where you complain because somebody struck out it ain't here. We come up in here going, where's this ministry? Where's that ministry? Why don't they do this for me? Ah, they didn't call me back right away. Sent me too many things in the mail. Now, if you're a guest, man, I'm not talking to you right now. I am talking to believers though. This nonsense about just, just I'm here to, to see how they do. If I like the word today, I'll give you a thumbs up. Get out of here, man. We need that seat if that's your attitude. This is about building the kingdom of God for generations to come. It's not all about money, but friends, does God have our heart? Are we listening to his voice? We just want God to speak to you. It's not me you need to hear from. It's from the Holy Spirit. And I just want to close with this thought. Um, Bible says that Solomon eventually completes the temple. And at dedication, he offers 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. Friends, this was a radical sacrifice. You know why he did this? Because he watched dad he watched dad, a radical sacrifice. And this is the craziest part. This is the faith. This is when faith gets wild. This is when Christianity gets so exciting. Solomon starts his reign as king. He dedicates the temple with a massive offering. It's not till after that, that God comes to Solomon in a dream. And he says, all right, what do you want? What do you want? Because you know why God could do that? Because at that point in Solomon's journey, God trusted him. He trusted him, why? Because it was proof where your treasure is, your heart is. And so Solomon, here's a great sacrifice. 
So God's going, I know that at this moment, Solomon's not asking for concubines. He's not asking for new rims on his chariot. He's not asking for a bigger palace. He's not asking to win a war. Solomon goes, I just want wisdom so I can lead your people. This is the faith zone that we want to live in where God has our hearts so much. When we are so sacrificial and extravagant in our lifestyle and our living and our giving to God, where it's like, God's going, now what do you want so I can equip you to build my kingdom? That's the place we want to be. And I don't see it anywhere else except when someone's an extravagant giver where God goes, now what do you want? We're about to commit. And I know this is hard for a lot of people. I know it is. I get it. It's hard for me, but it's also easy for me because I love God's house and I love you. I love the kingdom of God and I love this city, man. For all of our issues and troubles and for all the crap that goes on here, I freaking love Philadelphia. And I know you do too. So I got to do what it takes to make sure that God reigns here, not the principalities of darkness and the rulers that have reigned over the, this city for generations. Let's break that stuff, man. The way we do that is we say, devil, we are here to stay and you have no place. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.